The following podcast contains bad language. Not bad at language, like Trump's lawyers. Bad language, like naughty words. Cover your ears, I guess. Hello and welcome to episode 298 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Today on the show, we talked about, what did we talk about at the very beginning? I already forgot. Oh, your personal statement advice. My lesson of the week, which you can get, by the way, at thinkinglsat.com slash demon. You can sign up for our, uh, so far, I think I'm like 14 in a row uh, Thursdays. This uh, email lesson has been coming out and Ben really liked this one about, uh, it's just one way to write a personal statement. Uh, not the only way, but if you're stuck, it's kind of personal statement time of year in May right now. People looking to get their applications in in September. Um, it's not necessary that you start your statement now, but if you want to get a head start on it when you're uh, on a break from LSAT studying, this uh, newsletter that I wrote might help you just get unstuck on how to write a personal yeah. statement. Yeah, sign up for that. Um then we talked about law school debt, and we also talked about uh, someone who was debating taking on that debt versus not taking on that debt, and it seems so obvious that they should not. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah, for about. writing in with your choice between University of Wisconsin-Madison and UT Austin. Um, you're, Sarah is like super on the fence, and Ben and I have a 100% agreement exactly what she should do which is basically mm -hmm. don't pay for law school but we got a long discussion on all those issues yeah and then we talked about your uh commitment to sobriety coming to an end soon <laughs> i'm gonna get wasted no <laughs> we did a logical reasoning question um a principle question even though there is no such thing as a principle question it was just a must be true question um <laughs> yeah we got the hungover email uh, a couple other emails from the mailbag yeah let's let's uh oh this will air on monday may 17th um saturday may 29th that's the last day to change the june lsat test date if you've signed up for that for free which is kind of a, I don't know how new that is, but that was not the case before. I right? don't so think they're doing that even for the next test. So it's a okay. weird anomaly. They, I don't know why, but it's like a month later than normal. Like it's very civilized. Well, changing it's good. It for free was, yeah, you exactly. Never change it for right. free before. Well, Proctor yeah. U, there's been some weird stuff with Proctor U and some like letting people reschedule because of the uncertainty about when, when the Proctor U slots are going to be available. Something like that. It's not, that has something to yeah, do with yeah. it. But um, okay. this one, yeah, it could have been something. I don't know. I, I don't know, but I do know that it's awful damn nice. It's so yeah. much better than the typical, like, make the decision, go or no go six weeks before the damn test. This is just, you know, two weeks before the test. Much more reasonable if you're ready. It's just so strange, right? Really, the registration <laughs> deadline should be May 29th, right? <laughs> like, right. Now it's like it's benefiting those who signed up early, which is f fine. But what about those who haven't signed well, up for June? Like law schools. The law school admission yeah. council obviously is creating artificial scarcity. 
with all of their early deadlines and all that crazy shit. They're like trying to hype them, their own product up, like to get people, you know, training their customers or prospective customers to make sure that you sign up way, way in advance. And it's critical that you get a limited spot, you know, for it. Now it's a home based virtual proctored test. How hard can it possibly be to add spots? Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. So the June test is on, well, it starts June 12th, then July 2nd, two days before July 4th. That's the August LSAT registration deadline, which won't take place until August. <laughs> Solidly 14th. six weeks before the actual testing week. And now whether they will have another push, a later push deadline like they did with June, we don't know. Yeah. But it's an improvement. I hope they stick with that because that's really nice to be able to tell students, hey, don't panic. You have till May 29th to decide whether you want to take the June test. It's great that you're signed up. Yeah. Maybe you will be ready. Maybe you won't be ready. But a couple weeks before the test, you're going to be able to decide whether you're going to actually take it or whether you're going to push it. It's nice. It's really nice. (laughs) Like I can see the relief on my students' faces when I talk to them about that. Hopefully LSAC will stick with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then in preparation for that June LSAT, make sure to come to Nathan's June LSAT study group. That is free. You just have to have a demon free account. That's Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Nathan will yell at you and well, he's nicer these days, but once he starts drinking again, he will continue to (laughs) yell at you and make sure that you (laughs) do what you need to do to crush the june LSAT. Uh, well, i don't see why you should anyone who's listening to the show if you like the show you should go to that because now you can ask questions yeah it's free and time. you can join uh, i think i think people are getting some motivation from it you know the one thing that we've done is i've asked them to make a commitment to study a little bit every day yeah and uh so we kind of check in on that every week and then the students ask me questions about whatever they've been working on and i try to get them unstuck Cool. Well, let's jump into last week's lesson. This is what. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, before we even do that, I do have to do a correction. Um, You know, we're 100% factually correct here at the Thinking LSAT podcast, (laughs) and uh, we've never made any mistakes. But uh, no, I feel bad because Carl pointed out, (laughs) I said uh, apparently on the last show that Carl took the LSAT five times and then went to Yale. He did not take the LSAT five times. He took the LSAT one time (laughs) and got a 179 and is going to Yale. But that doesn't mean you can't take the LSAT five times and still go to Yale because I was confusing Carl with uh, former Demon student and TA Rebecca who yeah. did take the LSAT five times and is uh, headed to Yale, or at least she was admitted to Yale. I'm still kind of hoping that she turns Yale down, but um, it is possible, but it just, it, it wasn't Carl. So I had to correct the uh, record on that. Okay. Um, yeah. Last week's lesson, you actually sent me an email and said that you liked it. Which I warmed said my I heart. loved it actually. Aww. Thanks man. <laughs> it was a great lesson. Um, it was about personal statements and what to put in them or what at least I guess what you could put in them, right? You said this, you don't have to follow this structure, but it's a pretty damn good structure. So if you want to avoid the mistakes that so many people make when they're writing their personal statements, 
consider this structure. And what I loved yeah, the most and, about it was the way you summed it all up in the end. So anyway. sure, which I'll let you do, but um, before, like the reason why that I wrote that lesson is that I I was with Carl. I was at the admissions hour that we yeah, do yeah. for LSAT Demon students yeah. on uh, Wednesday nights, and I sat in and we did the old, we brought back the old wood chipper, you know, where we um, shred somebody's personal statement. Sure. And it was, I realized like so many others, it was a mess of the, the organization of it was a terrible mess and it was impenetrable. You couldn't figure out what the person even does or is, or like it wasn't personal. Yeah. Like we, 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 we walked away like, huh, who's this guy? Yeah. And it, it did one of these like cinematic openings, right? Where it drops you into the middle of some drama. Yeah. But we didn't have, which is, you know, it's kind of good to start in the middle of your story, you know, with like action. On the one hand, that's, that's kind of good. But we had never met this person before. We have no idea who he is. It's not like a movie you know, in a movie, you at least see the protagonist. So you immediately have an idea how old they are, you know, basically how they're dressed. You can tell like maybe what they do for a living or what their status yeah. is yeah. or what country they're from. Or like you can get so much from visual cues, right? Yeah. So the in a movie, a if you words. just <laughs> right start in the middle of the action scene and it works. But on the page, if this is the first thing we've seen of this guy what yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. i wrote this framework i was actually on a hike and it just kind of popped into my head this framework for hey if you're really stuck you're really lost you have no idea how to get started here's one way to get started yeah and anyway why don't you talk talk through it sure um well so this is your your conclusion really this is what you said at the very end of your email lesson and it is the structure that you're recommending that people take when they write their personal statement. And I'll just say this really quick and then try to unpack it to the extent that I can. Yeah. Um, your final advice was write something that says what, well, it's basically you're telling the reader what you are. I am. And then you say what you did. I did. I do. And optionally, I will. <laughs> I realize those are so concise, it might not make any sense to anybody. But what right. you essentially said was at the beginning, you're briefly one, maybe two, but probably just one sentence saying who you are. I am an engineer at Google or something, maybe, right? That That's a framework that could work to... Uh, introduce yourself and give the reader some context quickly but those... that's like the picture worth a thousand words right yeah. that's like the snapshot yeah. of who you are today mm -hmm. and it, it's it's kind of necessarily telling rather than showing because it's i am you yeah. know you're just yeah. like making a statement about what you are and we always harp on you know you can't have too much of that in your statement but as a very first sentence, maybe two sentences, that one, your, your example right there is perfect. Yeah. I am an engineer at Google. 
oh, okay. You know, yeah, we, yeah. we immediately learn so much more about you than just your job title. Yeah. We can make a bunch of inferences about a bunch of different things based on that. And it gives us like a foundation for the story that you're going to then tell us in, yeah. in this framework. And again, this is only sure. one way to do it. But it's only one way to do it. And I could definitely see people starting their personal statement with an I did, which is your second uh, framework, right? Your second um, set of sentences you're recommending that people use. Uh, but <laughs> I am is is more natural for so many people, right? It's easier mm -hmm. for them just to start there, even if they end up and cutting it. it. Yeah, and I think it, it could also lend itself to a, uh, or foster more of a conversational tone, mm. which, you know, people are so damn stuffy in their writing. It's like they yeah. do not write the way they speak, which is a shame. Yep. Um, and so starting off with I am, you know, my example was I am, you know, I, I'm the co-founder of LSAT Demon, and which is an online LSAT prep program. Yeah. And it's just like a statement of, yeah, okay, here's who I am today. Yeah. Yeah. One sentence or two sentences. That's it. And then the next step I was envisioning in, in this framework, I was envisioning one skip back in the timeline. Yeah. You talk about something that you've done in the past. And this is where you came up with the pithy recommendation to talk about what I did. Yeah. Right. And the, and the, the reason why I'm, you know, I'm being very formulaic and I, I really want to offer people a, Hey, here's a structure you can follow that'll work. And it won't yeah. be so damn confusing because this guy, the, the one that Carl and I read again in the, mm -hmm. um, in the admissions hour, this guy was doing all kinds of crazy Tarantino style skipping around in the timeline. Yeah. You know, it's past tense, then it's present tense, then it's future tense, then it's present tense again, then it's past tense again. And it's like, what? I, I have no idea if you're 40, if you're 20, <laughs> if you're in college, if yeah. you're <laughs> working for 15 years. I don't like I can't figure out where we are because, you know, the story makes sense to him. Yeah. But on the page, it, it made no sense whatsoever. So my idea with the progression here is I am brief statement, one or two sentences. Here's who I am today. Then go back in time. And from, from that point forward, you tell a chronological story that just goes forward, not back. Sure. So and my thing, you yeah. know, using myself as an example, it was like, well, you know, I think it was, I, I, I could skip back to whatever I wanted to skip back to, but I think I wanted to skip back to the founding of my business. Sure. You know, go back to 2009 and the back room of the little cafe where I started Fox LSAT. Yep. But then it's like only forward progress. Yeah. Leading up to the present day instead of all this bouncing around all over the place. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, that's perfect. So you start out one sentence. This is who I am. Then you talk about one thing that you did. And then your next piece of advice is to say, I do. And now you're talking about what you're doing today, which is so important. I can't believe how many people talk about, you know, they're tempted to talk about things in the past and then they stay in the past, which always raises the question, okay, but what are you doing today? Uh, as a human being, 
we expect you to be learning and growing every day. So if your biggest triumph was three years ago and you haven't really done anything since, you haven't built upon it, it's kind of like, well, where's the momentum? You're coming to law school. Um, have you lost that momentum? Are you stuck in the past? So I, I love this framework. I am, I did, I do. This is what I'm doing today. And you can talk about a project you're working on or you know, a, cha a challenge or problem that you're solving. Uh, it doesn't need to be a huge challenge. I, I hate to use that word because people misinterpret that and think that it needs to be some grand <laughs> you know, obstacle that they've overcome, but no mundane working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mundane businessy type of stuff is super valuable. You know, if I was going to write about what I do now, I would write about teaching, which I love more than ever. Yeah. You know, um, I would also write about podcasting with mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, my, almost my favorite part of the week probably. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I'm being positive and like talking about stuff that I, you, you like, you make yourself look like a winner. Yeah. Right. But yeah. by just being positive and enthusiastic about the stuff that you're doing now, I would also talk about management stuff like hiring teachers or training teachers. And none of this is like, so wildly impressive. Yeah. It's just, you're giving, you're, you're portraying yourself, demonstrating skills that like a real lawyer would use every day. Yeah, exactly. I, just to give more examples, if I were to write a personal statement now, I could talk about using this structure. I could talk about how I am the co-founder of LSAT Demon with you. And what did I do? Um, we we could go back to any point. Um, we could talk about launching LSAT Demon. We could talk about, I could talk about how I, you know, ran an in-person brick and mortar LSAT company in Washington, D.C. And then that led to the uh, Elsa demon. But then in terms of what I do today, I would probably focus on how, um, we've learned painfully in some cases, but how we're, how we're essentially transforming into a software company in addition to a, you know, an LSAT preparation company. Cause really, if you want to succeed in this space, you have to see yourself as continually developing, continually improving. And what does that mean on a day-to-day -day basis? Here's a challenge that we faced and uh, here's what we did to solve it and moving on. So I am, I did, I do, by the way, just to give people a rough sense of how long this stuff is, if you're going to do it this way, I want the I am to be one sentence, maybe two. Yep. Like literally not three ever. Yeah. Just real short. Yep. A one sentence standalone paragraph is such a power move. You could absolutely get away with that and then go back in time and start, you know, you basically tell about the progression of pick a point in time that you think is interesting to the reader and yeah. go from there up to where you are today. That's maybe half a page. Three quarters yep. of a page, depending on how much experience you have two. that you want to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Then when you switch to I do, that's another half a page, three quarters of a page, something like that. So at this point, 
we're now up to a page and a half. Yep. Which is time to wrap it up. Yep. And for many people, they can just stop there. Um, I don't know that I would need, you know, with my record, I don't know that I would really need to explain why law school. I've been an LSAT teacher for a long time. I obviously know a lot of lawyers. I I know what I'm getting myself into. I don't know that I really need to make that forward-looking statement about what I plan to do next. Yeah. So your your last piece of this structure is and you this is the way you put it and optionally I will. In other words, you've talked about who you are, you've talked about what you've done in the past, you talked about what you're doing now and and then you might make one single sentence claim about what you will do in the future and uh, I think what you said in the newsletter and what I think makes a lot of sense is you're only saying this if you feel the need to explain why you're pivoting to law school, right? Like if you're a musician or um, a biologist, it's kind of like, okay, if it wasn't obvious from what you're doing now, why you're pl- applying to law school, maybe you can throw in one sentence that says, I look forward to, you know, pursuing law in in this bio you know chemical space um and that that's kind of brings the two together right i I don't even know how this is i'm just coming up with a sentence on the fly but you're essentially in one sentence telling them why you're going to law school yeah and i i think i would just be really hesitant to even put that in for most people i i don't think most people need that no and most Uh, people go you know it's a trap right it becomes this it's so easy to say what you will do i mean anyone can say that oh i will become president of the united states so that's that's so great that you said that but um that's precisely because it's so easy to say is the same reason why it's so useless because no, you're going to make yourself look like an ass yeah. if you say something like that. I mean, it's, it's great Not to that have people say high... that, right. But they can say, my point is, is they can say anything. And so right. it, 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 it doesn't have, it doesn't carry the weight that it, you think it does. Like if you say, no, oh, it's inherently bullshit. Yeah. You haven't done it yet. I don't care what you think you want to do. It, it's like, I, I'm you're not you're going to change your mind once you get to law school anyway, nine times out of ten. Yep. So I don't it's it's uh, I would just be very, very careful. Don't even include it for most people. But yeah, if you were a a ballerina and, you know, your whole nothing about your whole resume or, you know, anything suggests law school then I think it is appropriate to have a one, just one sentence again, maybe two about what you plan to do in this next phase of your life. Yep. But if you're a paralegal, you don't need to do that. Or if you're a majored in poli sci or criminal justice, or if you've worked in anything that's law or business related, because business is law. I mean, you know, if you've done anything close to the business world, I just don't think you even need to 
You just let the let the reader fill in that blank. One thing I said in the piece is they're in the business of selling law school. They probably know more about the opportunities that law school has to offer than you do. Yeah. So if you jump the gun with like, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. They might have been willing to make a more powerful inference than that on your behalf. And instead now you're like, well, I'm going to practice IP law. And they're like, hmm, really? <laughs> I, yeah. Do you know what that is? Do you... You don't have a technical background. Um, do you right, realize you exactly. can't even do that? Yeah, exactly. So. No, and you look—you just look naive. You—you've—you yeah. shortchanged the conclusion that they could have made to your benefit, and instead yeah. you're telling them that you're going to do some other thing that makes you like you tip your hand as okay. This person actually doesn't have any idea what they're talking about. Yeah. So they could have just omitted. Yeah. So a quick recap. sentence or two. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, sentence or two about what you, who you are today, because that's the person who's going to their law school. So they are very interested in who you are now. Yeah. But part of who you are now is how you got to be where you are now. So, you know, probably some stories are in order. You can tell a little bit about the progression, how you got to where you are today. That's half a page ish. Then what you do now, I do. And you talk about you know, as much as you have space for three quarters of a page about your day to day in your current role. And then if necessary, one or two sentences forward looking that say what you intend to do. Yep. But just be real careful about that last bit. I mean, it's, it's very optional and probably should be omitted in most cases. Yeah. And you know, if, if we were to unpack these four steps, you're you're already saying that the last step is a maybe. You might not need it, right? For sure. That's one that we're definitely questioning. I would say the first one might not also be necessary. And right. the second one might not also be necessary. Um, it, if you're a strong writer, then I, focusing just on what you're doing today may totally work for you. And we've seen that happen. But... Um, I think this is just a structure at the very minimum to get started, right? Get things out on the page in a way that's natural oh, and yeah. works for so many people. <laughs> no, please do not think that this is the magic formula for how every personal statement should be structured. This is yeah. one way to get a shitty first draft out on the page. Yeah. You know, if you're totally stuck, have no idea what to talk about, no idea how to do this assignment, do this, right? Two or three pages worth of, don't edit yourself too much. Just write it. Just get it out there on the page. Yeah. Then put it away for a couple of days, then come back to it. And now you can reread it and edit it and see if you've got something there that you actually want to build on. If yeah. not, that's okay too. But it's just like the, a lot of times the key to writing is to just get that first draft out there. Yeah. And if you really don't like this idea of writing a personal statement or writing in general, um, you, you need to think about whether you should go to law school. I mean, I know right. we harp on that uh, maybe too much, but I I, I just can't un- say it enough. You, you're going to law school and your weapon of choice as a lawyer is your verbal capacity, your ability to articulate whatever it is you're thinking 
in a way that's persuasive to someone else. If you can't do that, you really don't have any business in the legal field. And it doesn't no, matter you're whether professional. you're doing that orally or on paper. You have to get to a point where you can clearly identify what you're thinking and then say and and say that in a way that other people understand, right? There's just there's yeah, and writing you're is a, a professional reader and writer. That's yep. what a lawyer is, a professional reader and writer. I mean, I was just talking to Matt, recording some stuff for the potential new podcast, yeah. LSAT Demon Daily. Stay tuned. Um, but talking to Matt and, you know, what's he doing? Oh, he just finished his final exams and he's sitting there reading 300 pages that they assigned him so that he can write a fake journal note so that it's all fake. It's just, this is all fake, but he's writing a journal note, reading 300 pages first. Yeah. And, and by the way, this ain't 300 pages of Stephen King. This is 300 pages of like super dry academia, yeah. legal academia. Yeah. He's reading 300 pages of that so that he can write a note so that he can hopefully get on journal to write so more. that he can then <laughs> spend his entire 2L year nitpicking f punctuation on citations in legal academic articles yeah it's you know like yeah i i people who are bad readers you're i think you're barking up the wrong tree i, I don't think you're going to be successful in this field yeah I, what are you doing it's like oh i'm going to be a ufc i want to i want to try to be in the i'm going to be a professional ufc fighter but you're like not good at punching or getting punched or wrestling or <laughs> I don't know any of the other skills of a you like you're super slow you're not very strong you're not tough and you're you want to be in the, in the UFC I mean that's what that, that's what that's like for somebody who's oh yeah I don't, I, I don't really like reading yeah why do you think the LSAT is <laughs> all words it's all words, and that's exactly what they're testing you on, is your ability to read and understand. It's not an accident. Um, some people look at the test as like a, you know, a necessary evil that they have to get through to get to law school. Oh, God. No, I mean, it's not like people sat down and made the test just like, oh, well, wouldn't it be fun to, to throw in little paragraphs that have like words and, and arguments and try to figure out whether they're flawed or not? I mean, that, that just seems fun, and maybe... we. If someone's good at that, they might be good at law school. No, they actually looked at law school and said, what are some of the skills <laughs> yeah. that are being tested and what are ways in which we can test them? Um, so, yeah, anyways. And as far as the difficulty goes, it's just the tip, you know, the difficulty and the amount of work that's required. The LSAT is just the barest tiny tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know law firm lawyers who work 70 hours a week who email me asking me for the newest LSAT logic games so that they can do them for fun. <laughs> you know, like that's the type of people that you're going to be encountering in the legal profession. Yes. So if you think, oh, I'm just going to get past this so that I can get on with, you know, oh, law school will be easier. Yeah. What? <laughs> no, no, you are sorely mistaken. Yeah. Law school is much more competitive and more difficult. 
denser reading. Oh, you don't like the reading? I get all the time, Ben. I don't like these reading comprehension passages. I just, how do I get past these? Uh, they're just so boring. They're boring. Yeah, I get distracted. Yeah, well, uh, it, it, you know, you got to figure it out because if you if you can't, those are 15 sentences. You're going to be reading books that are over 300 pages long. Daily. Matt's reading 300 pages during his summer break after he just it's, he said it was one day after finals. Yeah. The journal packet dropped and it's 300 pages of academia. Yep. And he's got to write this essay and get the assignment. You know, he's got to get the assignment done. Yeah. Oh, by the way, that's before he starts his summer internship or whatever. And, you know, just what, 10, 12 weeks from now, he'll be starting his 2L year, which is more work than your 1L year, especially because he's hoping to get on to journal. Yeah. <laughs> so that he can work even more. I mean, in nothing but super dense, boring, heavy, poorly written academic text. Yeah. The good news of all of this is if this conversation uh, incites in you a bring it on attitude, then mm -hmm. maybe you are in the right place. If you're like, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to kick ass in that game because that's just a game, right? And then if that kind of game sounds exciting to you, then great. All the more power to you, right? Some games in life sound awful and you want to run away from them. We're trying to describe the game that you're going to play. If it sounds fun, then cool. Pursue yeah, it. you want to be like Cole Black, my my lawyer buddy who I used to call her Nikki Black, but we have another Nikki lawyer yeah. friend. And so now Nicole Black is going to be called Cole Black. We're changing her name. Okay. It's, cool. it's easier for everybody. Oh. Anyway, Cole. <laughs> Including her, I guess. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So Cole, you know, she, she says explicitly that she wants work to be the primary focus of her life. Yeah. She likes that game. Nothing makes she her. She to play it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> Nothing makes her happier than waking up, you know, she's at her desk at eight in the morning and she's got an endless pile of work and it's going to not get smaller between 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. when she knocks off for the day. Yeah. You know, that that pile of work is not going to get smaller and that's how she likes it. Well, what's so interesting about that comment right there is that it just shows that she's not necessarily, I mean, on some level, yes, but uh, for the mo for most of the time, she is not exercising willpower to kick ass in that arena. This there's something that about it that actually compels her forward, and so if you if you have to exercise serious willpower to get this kind of shit done, you you're not gonna you're not yeah. gonna compete. You're not gonna make no. It. It's the it's the endless game of lawyering, yeah. and she loves it and. You know, I think LSAT reading comprehension is a real good first spot for people to to come to terms with what the rest of their life is going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find that more often than not, when I get done reading a reading comprehension passage, I'm glad I read it mm -hmm. because I'll play the game. Right. I, you know, the first sentence or two are going to be 
dense and bewildering, right? Real hard, you know, impenetrable. Yeah. They're doing that but, on purpose. They're throwing you in the deep yeah, end of some random yeah. esoteric topic. Yep. And and I'm like, oh, okay, I got this. Like, yeah, yeah sure. I understand what you're trying to do to me. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to stop. I'm going to unpack it. And after the first couple sentences, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be if you take the time to really unpack it yeah. and you get it. But by the end of the passage, I'm actually enjoying it. I'm like, yeah. oh, look at you. Wow, you're really going to town on these guys. You know, mm -hmm. like I couldn't figure out what you were saying at first, but now I get that you're meaning to say that these guys are wrong and I'm noticing all the little editorial choices that you're making and, you know, throwing shade on people with just one tiny little word choice. And I'm, I'm in there. Well, I'm playing the game, right? Mm -hmm. And then in the end, it's fun and you better learn to experience the LSAT reading comprehension that way. Yeah. Because it'll lead to dramatically higher scores on reading comp. But also, <laughs> this is just the bare beginnings of what you're going to have to do in law school and beyond. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So learn to love it now. <laughs> yeah, go play it. Or get game. out, which. There's so many games totally in the world. You can fine. invent your own game if yeah. you want to fucking do that. That's what Elon Musk did. He said, okay, I'm going to try to go to Mars. And everybody's like, had given up on that game. And now Jeff Bezos is trying to play that. There's some other companies yeah. trying to play that game. You can invent whatever game you want. This is just one old stodgy game that's been around for a long time. And if you like it, great. Um, yeah, I just, for all those people who want to help people, you know, like I, I've got, we just have so many well-meaning students who they're on this path because they want to help. Yeah but they hate the LSAT. Like they're terrible at the LSAT, but they really want to help. Yeah. It's a weird mindset, right? It's like you, the only way to help is through the law is to be a gladiator of the English language and get a JD and yeah. pass the bar exam and work in the ultra competitive zero sum legal world. Well, that's one route, but have you considered many other paths? Because there's just so much other stuff you can do. There's other ways that you can help people where you can use your like listening and your empathy and you know so many other things that lawyers don't necessarily it's it's just, that's just not the primary game that's being played. Yeah, I also think you'd be unshackled from the constraints of the profession, right? There are so many assumptions that come along with becoming an attorney and things you, quote, have to do, and the rules and procedures, and a lot of that's going to be drummed into you to the point where you can't distinguish between, you know, creative ideas for problem solving and what you now just accept as dogma. Oh, like, I, oh, oh, there's a problem. Yeah, well, that's what the law says. I mean, how much of it are you going to go along with just because you've come to buy into that whole culture? Well, <laughs> buy in in dollar terms, because by the way, if you're not good at the LSAT, you're going to pay an outrageous amount of money for law school. Not only that, but it's going to take you three or four years before you ever reach the certification where then you are theoretically going to start helping people with your JD. Yeah. Whereas if you flip and you decide, Hey, I'm, I don't need a JD. I don't need to go to law school. 
what's the problem you I'm trying start, to solve and what's a way to solve it? Like there's got to be a million you, and one ways outside. You could of roll your sleeves system. up. Yeah. Instead of banging your head against this crazy profession, you could roll your sleeves up and start helping actual people right now, today. And you could get paid for it. Not like crazy money probably, but you're not going to get paid crazy money for helping people in the law f- field either. Yeah, well, it, your options are to go get paid good money at a big firm, but then do this kind of work pro bono, which still means you're essentially paying for the opportunity to do good by doing your dirty work on for the firm, right? Like, <laughs> there's no way around it. You, you can't get paid a lot and do, quote, good in most cases, the way the system is set up. Why don't you start by talking about this, how much does law school cost article? Sure, yeah. So- Just just briefly, it's not yeah. like there's new news here, really. No, I just, I actually added it because I, I got an email, I saw this article and I like numbers, right? I like giving concrete numbers to what we keep yelling about on the show. So this says, yep. this is from an article that it's entitled, how much, Uh, Does Law School Cost by Holly Johnson. It says data from the National Center for Education Statistics. I had no idea that existed. NCES shows that the average law school debt reached a staggering $145,500 at last count. Okay, so this was in December of last year that she wrote this. So basically uh, $145,000, right? It's not surprising She writes, law school transparency shows that law school tuition has continued to increase year after year, even taking into account inflation. And these numbers really made me sick because, um, yes, the cost of goods is always going up. That's what inflation is. But even when you account for inflation, the cost of law school has skyrocketed immensely. I I just don't even know how to overstate this. It says, for instance, the data shows that attending private school in 1985 would have set you back about $7,500 in 1985 dollars, which would work out to about $18,000 today based on inflation alone. Okay. So if law school had stayed the same cost, it had just uh, stayed up with inflation, it'd be about $18,000 today. Instead, Private school tuition actually costs about $49,000 today, meaning that private law school is almost three times more expensive than it was in 1985. That is fucking insane. Yeah, for no reason. It it has dramatically outstripped inflation. Yeah, that's three times more expensive in real dollars. Real dollars, yeah. Which means inflation-adjusted dollars. Yeah. Yeah. so no, it, it, the <clears throat> the one thing I got kind of mad. I looked at this article and it it seems kind of clickbaity to me. She she didn't actually get into any of the real issues, right? Like she keeps talking about private school as if public schools are any better. Mm-hmm. They're barely better. I mean, hard like look at the UC law schools. They're outrageously expensive. Well, it's, it's not easy like it's... for them to keep you know jacking up their prices because even though <laughs> they've gone up dramatically compared to private schools they may look a little cheaper and yeah look at columbia yeah columbia costs seventy five thousand dollars a year so we're a bargain at fifty five thousand dollars a year no you're not you you should be like fifty five hundred a year for the value that you actually deliver um 
it, she also doesn't you know the the and maybe people just don't understand this but a big part of the problem is the scholarships yeah it's this arms race of scholarships and the schools are competing just you know intensely for the most talented applicants and they give people full rides they give people full rides plus stipends well and you know a full ride uh thankfully <laughs> means that you don't have to worry about the cost of tuition right because they're giving it to you entirely but the crazy thing is that most people focus on how much of a scholarship they got and one <laughs> easy way for the schools to increase the amount of scholarship they give you is simply to increase the cost of tuition so now they're like well last year we gave we gave you $40,000, but this year we're going to give you 45. Really all they did is raise the cost of tuition. And now they can claim that they're giving you more money. But at the end of the day, the same amount of money is coming in the door to them, but people feel like they're getting more because the scholarship amount is more. Everyone does it. Yeah. I mean, we don't, but everyone does it right. Like look at Kaplan with their $2,000 LSAT class. Oh my gosh. Oh, but you get a, you get 50% off. They have $500 off things that every now and then it's like, are you, how could <laughs> it cost $1,900? But, oh, but you, but you get, you get $500 off of our 1900 <laughs> yeah but people think oh well i gotta go with that because well, i got a 500 I mean, what are you gonna coupon. offer me it's like yeah well it's already anyways cheaper dramatically cheaper and better now anyway um okay so all right law school is ridiculously expensive please don't pay for law school please be one of the people who gets that scholarship instead of giving the scholarship i mean if you pay rack rate at law school you're paying for you and somebody else. Yeah. That's, that's a fact. That's not, I'm not making that up. That's public data. If you pay full price, somebody at the school is going for free. You're paying for both of you. It's, that's the way this game works. It's literally the same as everyone paying the same amount around half of what tuition currently is. You showing up on the first day of class and the teacher saying, okay, for you to be here, remember you agreed to give 10 grand to the person sitting next to you now. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, yeah. we're going to do this again in a little bit. Yeah. All of those of you who had the worst LSAT scores and GPAs in the room, you guys get to pay the people who have the best LSAT scores and GPAs in the room. Now let's commence our academic competition. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> you feel pretty good if you're the one that's getting paid. Yeah. You feel pretty bad if you're the one that's doing the paying. Okay. And then this transition's been into this next email. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll read it. Please. Uh, Hi, Ben and Nathan. You've been a crucial part of my law school journey. Thank you. I find myself facing a last minute question that I'm tied up in knots about. I understand you likely won't be able to get back to me, but thought it was worth a shot. I already got back to Sarah, but I also put it on the agenda. I was committed to UT Austin. I found roommates, was about to sign a lease, etc. When I got an email from University of Wisconsin-Madison upping my scholarship to a full ride. Between my parents and I, I have about $60,000 of savings for law school. So with that and scholarships, my debt upon graduating from UT would be about sixty dollars to $70,000 
which seems relatively manageable, she says. My total debt graduating from University of Wisconsin would be zero, but I would also have a surplus of about twenty or $30,000, which would be amazing. Yeah, so we're talking about a really, $100,000 difference, really. I don't know. if I think she might be... Yeah, well, yeah, because she's got a full ride. I, I don't know, though. I think she was assuming she's going to have to spend some of that money for living expenses, some of the sixty grand that yeah, they yeah, have exactly. saved up. Well, I'm just saying there's a $100,000 difference between the Oh, 30... there is $100,000. Yes, you're right. Sorry. My bad. So it's a $100,000 decision she's yes. making. Yeah. I've really internalized your don't pay for law school mandate, but I'm so conflicted. I would really like to have a clerkship, and my dream would be to work in impact litigation. I'm most passionate about public interest, but I'm a paralegal at a plaintiff's firm right now and really like it, so I'm quite open. I would do big law to pay off debt. I'm worried I'd be selling myself short if I go to University of Wisconsin, but obviously the financial picture is appealing. I doubt I'd want to stay in Wisconsin, which makes me nervous. But if I go in with the attitude that I'm going to do as well as I possibly can and network out of state, do I have a shot at achieving what I want? University of Wisconsin has asked for a response in a week. I'm visiting Madison now, and I prefer it to Austin. What? But I don't want to make a short-sighted choice. Apologies for the SOS email. Hope you're well. Thanks for all you do. Best, Sarah. Wait, so I, I responded back like yeah, a three word bit of advice, but I also said more on the show. So this is the more on the show component. Yeah, I what guess are you going to say? <laughs> okay. So this is one of those things where Sarah's talking and I'm trying to appreciate the dilemma that she's facing, right? Like, okay. Like in my head, I was like, you want to be in Austin. That's where you want to practice law. Um, <laughs> but that's not what she wants. But that's not what she wants. And I'm like, wait, where, yeah. what, the scale just like flipped. It's like, you like Madison. It's $100,000 cheaper. I, I, you said you've really internalized your don't pay for law school mandate. I think you have on some level, but there's another part of your subconscious that's like resistant and, I, I don't see any reason to be resistant given what you just said about Madison. I would just go. I wouldn't think twice. $100,000 is a lot of money. And it frees you up. You said, I'm most passionate about public interest. I don't know if that's going to be true once you graduate. But if that's even still an interest when you graduate, you're going to have much more freedom to pursue that if you have a surplus rather than a debt. I had to look it up. Um, that's why I was asking you yesterday about the LSAT Demon Scholarship Estimator. By the way, yeah. that's at lsatdemon.com slash scholarships. Yeah. And I use this to look up the law school rankings because I don't want to go on US News and we have the US News rankings in our thing. Sure. Um, are Austin, uh, UT Austin and UW Madison, are they differently ranked? <laughs> well, it would I've got it right on the hundred percent rule, but I don't. What are their rankings? <laughs> well, UT Austin is sixteen, according to US News and World Report. Okay. Yep. UW Madison is twenty nine, according to US News and World Report. Okay, so this breaks the one hundred percent rule. You take the sixteen, you multiply that by two. In other words, you increase its ranking by hundred percent. 
you get 32. If it's not greater than 100% different, then we don't care about the difference in rankings. These are not different. These are not differently ranked schools. They are yep. not different in prestige. Yep. Uh, yes, it is true that UT is going to have a slightly higher caliber of student than UW, but you're also going to have an easier time competing at University of Wisconsin. You're there on a scholarship. You're there on a scholarship for a reason. You're going to have a better chance at competing with University of uh, with uh, the people you're going to encounter in Madison than you are with the people you're going to encounter in Austin, you like Madison better. You're going to go for free. You're going to graduate with a surplus instead of a crazy amount of debt. You're going to presumably do better in the academic competition, yep. which means you're going to have the best of the opportunities that Madison has to offer you. Yeah. It's a, this to me is not even a hard decision. Nope. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Okay. Sarah, enjoy the cold north. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, because, listen, you're going to be in the air-conditioned library in Austin, or you're going to be in the heated library in Madison. Yeah. There's no difference between yeah. the two. You're going to be busting your ass. You're going to be reading the exact same cases. You're going to be writing the exact same briefs. There's no difference between the academic experience in these two places, other than probably you're going to be a little better equipped to compete in Madison. Yeah. And you're going to walk out of there with $100,000 of a rosier financial picture. You know, the I wanted to skip up to this one. Sarah wants to work in impact litigation. She's most passionate about public interest, but she so blithely is willing to say, I'll work in big law. She says, I, it's, it's even like the sentence itself makes me laugh. I would do BL to pay off debt. She wrote. Yeah. It's like a concession to. It's like, she can't overlords. even mention big law. She yeah. has to abbreviate it as BL. It's a tiny little sentence. And she's just like, well, I would do big law to pay off the debt. Okay. And on to the next. Yeah. What do you mean? You would do big law to pay off the debt. What? That's, That's not decision. what, if, yeah. That's not what you want to do. Why would you just sacrifice? However, I mean, that's probably like she, because realistically, she's probably talking about like three years worth of big law to pay off that debt if she's lucky. And if she doesn't get sucked into the, the lifestyle, right? Like right. a lot of attorneys go into that planning to pay off their debt, but then they end up spending spending the money oh. that they're earning. So they buy the big house, they buy the Tesla, and then it's like, okay, well now I'm going to need to work here for expensive suits because everybody in the firm is yeah. wearing expensive suits. When you have four days off, you know, you, you go to you have Cancun. to fly to Tokyo <laughs> and back in four days yeah. so that you can maximize the value of your time off, but you have to fly first class to Tokyo and back, you know, it, that's just, that's not, it doesn't sound like to me, that's the world Sarah wants to live in. Yeah. The best way to avoid living in that world would be to not impoverish yourself by paying this just sickening amount of tuition. Yeah. To, to UT Austin for no reason, for no reason, Ben. Yeah. She does not have to pay for law school 
Wisconsin is a fine law school and she can go for free. And she's about to just turn her back on that and pay outrageously because, you know, it's this, I'm worried about selling myself short. That's the lie that the law schools sell to you. That's the lie of the U.S. News and World Report rankings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're giving up this imaginary, you know, prestige, this value. It's it's definitely not there if it breaks the 100% rule. And even if it complies with the 100% rule, in other words, the difference is greater than 100% in terms of ranking. We don't know what that means. Well, you know, meanwhile, there's other people who are admitted to UC Austin, uh, UT Austin yeah. with a full ride, but they're also admitted to, let's see, let me pick another school that does not satisfy the 100% rule. They're admitted to Duke, you know, and, and they're like, well, I could go to Duke and pay full price mm-hmm. or I could go to University of Texas, Austin, you know, Duke's in the top 14 and oh wow well austin's not texas is not Hmm. so i just don't want to sell myself short by going to ut austin so i'm gonna pay for duke what did hastings say to you when you were sitting there oh that law school was a transformative experience and you're not gonna surely you're not gonna let money dictate (laughs) you're not gonna let money be a factor in this decision are you <laughs> no i would never do that oh my i gosh. stupidly di- i stupidly bought it i bought it yeah quite literally you know i paid fifty thousand dollars a year for nothing there there was nothing that hastings did for me that i couldn't have gotten at some other school and it, it just it's a tragedy and I hope Sarah and everybody else listening, I hope you do not make that decision because they got, Hey, these law schools got themselves into this conundrum. It's, it's <laughs> like our show is really bad for the law schools. If everybody followed our advice, then nobody would pay these crazy tuitions that the schools are charging. Yeah. Yeah. But because so many people buy this lie about, Oh, if it's, five clicks higher on us news, then it's going to be, it's got to be more prestigious and give me more opportunities. There's more doors that are being opened. Yeah. Point to what doors we're talking about. Let's make this concrete. Yeah, th- Therefore they just, yeah, they just go in and, and end up with a hundred thousand dollars of debt that they didn't have to have yeah. because of ego. And this crazy lie that is perpetuated by the law schools. Hey, I want to make one more sports analogy. We've been talking about games, right? Think of these as two different teams. You can go join UW-Madison or you can join UT-Austin. And if you go to UW-Madison, one, they're saying, hey, we're going to pay you a bigger salary. We love you. We want you to come here. You're going to be a starter. Yeah, the the team might be slightly less competitive, but you're going to get so much more experience. And actually... That's just an assumption. We don't even know that it's less competitive. These teams may be equally matched for all we know. Um, But at the very least, you're going to get experience playing on the court. Whereas at UT Austin, you're going to, (laughs) you're going to be struggling to get some game time. Are you going to do a journal? I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, we could talk about the NCAA tournament here, you know, 
does the team that is uh, the 16th best team in the tournament, mm -hmm. so that would be a number four or five seed, because uh, there's a bunch of ties for 16. So let's say it's, well, whatever. We'll give them the credit and say it's a number four seed mm -hmm. in their bracket. Yeah. There's four brackets. You know, there's four number four seeds. Mm -hmm. So that's, there's four number ones and four number twos and four number threes that are better than this school. Yeah. And now you're a fourth seed. You know, you're good, but you're not like a favorite to win the tournament by any stretch. No. And Madison is, let's see, they're the 29th best school. So they're like an eighth seed, seven or eight seed. And that's what it is. Like they have a chance to win the tournament. They're not likely to win the tournament, but not really neither is Austin. They're not that great. They're not. It, and so like, yeah. So would you rather ride pine in Austin or would you rather start at UW Madison? Yeah. I think that analogy is perfect, Ben. And I, I think <laughs> you're going to plus. Yeah. I mean, the, the debt thing is just, just outrageous. You're going to pay to ride pine at UT. <laughs> and that $100,000 is going to grow over time, right? So it's not just It's just an anchor. Difference. Yeah. Like you, Sarah wants to help people, but she's just going to do big law to pay off her, her, her law school debt. Okay. So let me know when you get around to the helping people part, because mm -hmm. it ain't happening in big law. Yeah. Time. Time is something you have to pay with, too. <laughs> okay. Cool. Let's, let's move along. Let's do it. Thanks, Sarah. Um, hopefully that's helpful for other people. Let's do this uh, logical reasoning question, huh? This is from Test 73, yeah. Section 2, Question 4. Um, why don't I read it? So Sure. It says, <laughs> principle. Not no, as in, not no as it doesn't. In, huh? It doesn't say that. Are we looking at different questions? I mean, it says that, but it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. No, people get freaked out. I, I really want to offer this tip to people. When you see the word principle on the LSAT, just cross it out. It doesn't mean anything. It never has meant anything. It doesn't do anything. It has no function whatsoever. Just cross it out. Oh, I usually tell people to re replace it with rule, which is the same as... I, I think it does something here in the sense that it tells me that they're almost certainly going to give me a fact. But I guess they could try to justify that fact. Well, here it says principle in the passage, and then it says principle in the question. Yeah. And if you cross both of them out and literally don't read them, it does not change the meaning of the question at all. Okay. So principle, not as in a person who's the leader of a <laughs> school, but... <laughs> a rule or nothing as you're putting it so it's just they're gonna give us a thing and yep. they give us that thing whether or not they say principle okay here's right. that thing the executive in a given company whose compensation package is determined by advice of an external consultant is likely to be overcompensated okay i'm just going to stop there uh, the sentence is not over but really quick we have an executive who's compensation package in other words basically their salary yep. plus externals is deter so in the case where it's determined by an external consultant is likely to be overcompensated so their salary is going to be too high okay 
if the consultant also has business interests with the company the executive manages. Okay, this is basically a principle or a rule <laughs> saying that if the consultant has business interests with the company and the executive manages those interests, then yeah, it's not really shocking that they're likely to the the executive is likely to be overpaid if that payment is determined by advice from that very consultant. There's some clearly like some mutual benefits going on here, right? Okay. Yeah, I really like that you stopped halfway through that. It's critical that you you can't just get lost in the muddy waters, right? You you were trying you're like searching for little bits of clarity there. Yeah. And eventually you unpacked it to realize, oh, so what we're talking about here is kind of a form of self-dealing where, yeah. you know, I guess theoretically, if a consultant, an external consultant is going to determine how much the CEO should get paid. Yeah. Well, let's make sure that that external consultant is really external because if that external consultant also has big business contracts with the company. Yep. Well, then they could be overpaying the CEO because they think they're going to get better pricing on their contracts with the company. Now, it doesn't say those words specifically, right? It says business interests with the company. But, yeah. but we can infer, we can figure it out using our outside background knowledge of the world we can kind of parse what they might be talking about here. Exactly. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's good you said that. Last night, someone in class was saying, you know, I really struggle with some of these logical reasoning questions. And they said, I read them three or four times and I still don't understand them. And that right there was like the red flag. It's like, wait a sec. That means you're reading all the way through. Yeah. Realizing you don't understand and reading it again. It's like, nope, yeah. you got to stop. Even like a few words into a sentence, you don't have to finish the sentence to say, wait a sec, it's getting away from me. Let me figure it out and then go for it. Right. Okay, so this question says, which one of the following judgments conforms most closely to the principle stated above? All right, I, just to, I think this phrasing conforms most closely, throws a lot of people off. And I, it, it threw me off for a while, actually, when I first started teaching the LSAT. It's like, wait, what am I exactly trying to to find here? It's like I could find the answer, but describing it to other people was challenging for me. But I, I would say at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty simple. Which one of the following judgments conforms most closely? In other words, which one of the following matches most closely to what we just said? Which one of the following is most supported by what we just said? which we've simplified even further to which one of the following must be true. So the yeah. long and short of all that is to say that if it says closely conforms, just ask yourself, okay, does this have to be true given what was said? Yeah. It's either going to be a must be true question or a strengthen question. There's no such thing as a principle question. So it looks like this is a principle question and, you might think that there's a special strategy for a principle question, which is complete nonsense because the, they use the word principle, but you cross it out. It means nothing. Mm -hmm. All they said here is they gave a fact about 
what happens when executives in companies are compensated in this way, right? That's just a fact. And then they said, which one of the following conforms most closely to that fact? It's a must be true question, or we could call it a supported question, which is just a soft must be true question. But the point is nothing different, nothing extra. We want a straightforward application of this principle, this thing, this rule. Come on. Just yeah. And what we're, like it. <laughs> what we're looking for here is just straightforwardly an executive who's being overpaid because the consultant who determines the executive's compensation has some dealings with the company. Okay. Answer choice A. So does this have to be true or is this supported by the passage more than the yeah. other four answers? It's like, is it a match? Is yeah. this what they, is this what they said? Is this, is this what they were talking mm -hmm. about? Yeah. A, the president of Trosco Corporation is definitely overpaid. Nope. <laughs> okay. So the passage said, or the principle or the rule said, is likely to be overcompensated. And this is way beyond that, right? Question types matter. Yeah. I mean, not that I would obviously not read the question stem first. I, you have to understand what the fact is. We yeah. need to know what we're trying to match. But now that I know what I'm trying to match and I know that it's a must be true question, I want boring, obvious, easy to prove answers. Yeah. And that word strength there, the definitely is just going to conclusively make that wrong. Yeah. Yep. I cannot prove that this guy is definitely overpaid. Yeah. Okay. Answer choice B. The president of Trosco Corporation is probably overpaid. Okay. That's the same as saying is likely to be overcompensated since his total annual compensation package was determined five years ago when the company's profits were at an all-time high. Okay, hmm. there's no discussion here of, you know, the outside consultant or the self-dealing. So although this certainly could be true, I don't have any reason to believe it is true on the basis of this rule. Yeah, that's just not what we were talking about. Yeah. So it's out. See, the president of Trosco Corporation is probably not overpaid. Okay, that's um, a, a false contrapositive. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> we know what is likely to lead to overcompensation. We have no idea what's likely to lead to undercompensation. There could be a million different things that could lead to overcompensation besides the consultant. Whether or not there's a consultant, I don't, if there's not a consultant, then I have no idea whether this person is overpaid. Yeah, this is confusing, sufficient for necessary. Right. Um, D, the president of Trosco Corporation is probably overpaid. Okay, great. That's what we were talking about. Likely to be overpaid. Now, what I need it to say is, yep. right? Do you ever do this? Sure, you can predict it, right? You need it to say that his package was determined or by advice of an external consultant who also happens to have business dealings with the company that the executive manages. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Since the Trosco board of directors determined his compensation 
by, by following the advice of an external consultant who has many other contracts with Trosco. Um, okay, it doesn't say that this president manages <laughs> these contracts, but this president is the president of Trosco Corporation, and this consultant has many contracts with Trosco, so it stands to reason that the executive manages them on some level. So I would keep. It doesn't matter, open. Ben. It, the 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 fact didn't say that the man. The you, you, there's two ways of reading it. Oh, that the company, the way, that the executive manages versus the yeah. contract. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah. So then that's not even that becomes not yeah. relevant, and then D. Yeah. But but Ben. Right. Yeah. Here's what the student asks. Yeah. The novice asks. But Ben, it said business interests in the rule, and it says contracts i didn't like d because of contracts oh you're you're so right <laughs> well obviously a contract is a form of a business interest the lsat does this all the time right they have a like i would call them an umbrella term like business interests and there are many things that can fall under that umbrella and as long as it does then that is going to apply right yeah, it's the meaning, y'all, that matters. Synonyms exist. And there are multiple ways of saying the same thing. And if you have many contracts with the company, then you have business interests with the company. Yep, that's a form of business interest. Yeah. It's this, it's two ways of saying the same thing. And students just shoot themselves in the foot because they, you know, they go through here looking for contracts. I guess I just scanned it. It looks like E mentions the word contracts. And if if that's the way you're playing the game, good luck to you. It's just, it's not going to work out. They, they're smarter than that. Yeah, I mean, and the th crazy thing about E is you wouldn't even have to get to the word contracts because it starts, the president of Trosco Corporation is definitely not overpaid. So it's too strong mm. and it's uh, confusing sufficient for necessary. At so. best, it's confusing sufficient for necessary, yeah. right? Yeah, y'all, this is a, it's a shame. It, the answer here is obviously D. It, you got to slow down until the test gets easy for you. Yeah. This question is kind of long. I mean, the answer choices are really long and people get intimidated. They think they have to go fast. So they skim it and they rush through it and maybe they match up a couple terms. You know, I liked, I like D because it said contracts, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, well, but okay, but you're just not understanding the meaning of these words. Yeah. D is so easily the answer. We stopped halfway through it and we were able to predict what the rest of D said. We might have predicted contract business interests and instead it said contracts, but the meaning is the same and that's so obviously the right answer. And if you're doing the test properly, this question, regardless of how much time it took, you should have been certain that you were picking D correctly before you moved on to the next one. This is low hanging fruit. And you've just got to make sure you get that low-hanging fruit first. Sure. Cool. Um, yeah, let's. Cool. Yeah, let's. Uh, that's that's good. Let's go to. The, so I added this. Someone sent in a question through the demon <laughs> ask button, and well, it's not a question. It's really just a comment. And I don't know for some reason it stuck out to me, so I threw it on here. I just wanted to see what your reactions are to this person's. 
comment. So they did test 28 game one, which is the racehorses game. And they wrote, today I learned not to be hungover for the LSAT. That is all. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Alcohol is poison. And when you're hungover, it's because you poisoned yourself the night before. Yeah, that's Generally a... speaking, poison is not good for cognitive performance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I love but wait, drinking. they didn't talk about poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love drinking, um, but I am nearing the end of a very long, uh, well, for me, a really long uh, stint of uh, sobriety. You're nearing well, the end. Well, at least no okay. alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah, I decided to do 90 days and uh I met like 85 or something of those days. Um and you know, I have to say that I uh I sleep better. I have done more stuff at work. I'm more that. patient, be- believe it or not. I'm more patient with my students. Yeah. <laughs> you have noticed well, I, I seriously like I'm teaching two extra classes now that I was not teaching before my yeah you know, sobriety experiment. So I, I am, I'm writing more. Um, I'm just kind of calmer and just kind of a better version of me. And, um, yeah, alcohol is, uh, it's kind of bad. Why not do another 90 day stint? Fuck it. Um, I, I very likely will. Yeah. Uh, and especially I will if I start to go, at all overboard i i'm gonna be vigilant yeah um this uh new version of me you know it's gonna be like have a beer uh after golf rather than have three beers before i make it to the first tee (laughs) you know Uh, (laughs) type of thing yeah um so we'll see it's gonna be a it's it's an experiment yeah but uh yeah, being hungover on the LSAT is probably not the best for performance. Yeah, you're in a competition. We've said that several times today. And is that how you get ready for your 5K or your half marathon? No. And this is even more yeah. dependent on your brain than anything else. I mean, lawyers are, there's a rampant alcoholism Yeah. in law school and in the legal profession. But I've known a lot of law students or a lot of LSAT students rather who have step one of their LSAT prep. Yeah. Quit drinking. Yeah. And if that's a sacrifice that you're not willing to make, then, well, says something about either your relationship to alcohol or your commitment to this career path. Uh, I, I, you know, there aren't that many things that have the opportunity to completely transform your performance. And that is certainly one of them. Yeah. I mean, the other one would be go to bed every night at nine o'clock or, or Uh, even 10 or even 11, just go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time. Of all the sleep yeah. advice but, I out mean, there, that's the most important one. Alcohol is horrible for sleep. Yeah. And so, you know, like if if you if you're struggling, right? If this is if the LSAT is taxing to you, but you're gonna keep doing it anyway, 
um, yeah, you might want to get off the sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it is probably diminishing your cognitive performance. Of course, while you're drunk, you think you're a genius. <laughs> I assure you, you're not <laughs> having been <laughs> having been sober now for three months and hanging out in like the same places with the same people. <laughs> it's it's like kind of shocking. Like, whoa, wow, that's how you guys are. That's what you're doing. <laughs> that's how you are. Huh. All right. You've said the same thing to me five times in the last two minutes. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Cool. Want to want to get into the mailbag? Let's do that. Um, you want to read this first one? Sure. Uh, by the way, you can be LSAT famous if you uh, want to get on the show. Just email help at thinkinglsat.com. Um, that's where all these came from, and they're all relatively new. Uh, we're keeping up with the the mailbag content, so please get yourself on the show. Uh, help at lsatdemon.com. Hi guys, or sorry, help at thinkinglsat.com. Hi guys, I took a two month hiatus from studying as I've been going through some personal grief and my ability to focus was non-existent. The fog in my mind is beginning to clear up and I'm ready to jump back in the game. Here's my question. I took the January LSAT and scored a 150. I'm signed up for the June LSAT, but I'm considering postponing until August to be more prepared. Should I go ahead and take the June LSAT despite still scoring in the 150s? I'm aiming to score 165 plus with the objective of applying in the fall for 2022 admission. Thanks for your help, E. By the way, just to be clear, the deadline to change from the June registration for free to any future registration is Saturday, May 29th. So when this show comes out, E will have a couple weeks at least still to make this decision. Ben, how would how would you make this decision if you were E? Well, E already has one score on record, right? So that means that E has interestingly four shots left, I guess, but yeah, one in June and then three after August or August and later. I don't it's tough. I if you want to start in 2022 you really want to get your best score by august and to get your best score by august it wouldn't hurt to take the june lsat i just feel like uh you're you're far enough away from a 165 plus that it may may not make sense you might just need to let go of applying in the fall of 2021 for admission of 2022 and just focus a hundred percent on getting the best score you can get. And maybe that's in June and August. And if it happens, then apply. Yeah. I would say, you know, don't, I agree hundred percent pushing is always an option. Everybody should have pushing as an option. Always. 
Yeah. There's no reason to rush into any of this stuff. But you're already signed up for June. You don't have to make the decision until May 29th or let's, let's make it on May 27th or 8th so that we can be safe. Civil. But you, you don't, you don't have to make this decision for a few more weeks. I would prep hard now as if you're taking the June test. Um, This is a good place to shout out my June uh, LSAT study group, which is free, which happens every Thursday night. You just need a a free LSAT demon account. Get one of those at LSATdemon.com and you can register for this class that I teach every Thursday. Um, You know, I want to see you in class. I want to hear what you're working on. I want to help you make a plan for study. If you, if you have questions, if you're stuck, I don't do specific LSAT questions in that class. I do in all my other classes. That class is more like a high level type of a, what should I be working on type, you know, type of a thing. Yeah. But come to that class and ask me questions and yeah, you should be pushing for sure toward that June test. Yeah. And then you've got a couple more weeks to make your decision. I would say... You know, you've got a 150 on record. Probably not too hard to beat that. Yeah. If your practice tests are knocking on the door of 160, then I would probably go ahead and take the June test. Yeah. It doesn't matter as much as you think it does, but it it certainly does matter that you study consistently a little bit every day. Cool. Two months off, you know, didn't do you any favors. So it's if it if you feel like you've got the focus now, then yeah, you you better get cracking. Because I mean, honestly, the August test is right around the corner. Yeah. The one thing E isn't thinking about is both taking both, right? Everybody always thinks like, well, I'm gonna take it in June or August. Help me make up my mind. Yeah. Why not both? Um, the deadline to sign up for August, by the way, is. July 2nd, which means that you probably have time to, you know, you could probably take the June test, get your score back and then decide whether to sign up. Well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if those scores are going to be out in time. It'll be close, but you should probably be planning on taking both of those tests. Well, no matter what, and even if, if you crush June, right? Like, right. It doesn't hurt you to plan on also taking August. Yeah, it's still early. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, E. Next one. Yeah, Jason writes, Hi, Nate and Ben. I'm hoping to get your opinions on my current situation. I made a decision this past March to make a pivot in my life and pursue law school. Okay. I hope this wasn't a rash decision. I just missed the April LSAT, so I'm signed up for the June test. I had been using another study program, but just recently switched to Demon Live. The three diagnostic tests I've taken are hovering in the mid to high 150s. I'm shooting for mid to high 160s. And fortunately for me, logic games are giving me among the most significant problems right now. I'm hoping the demon can help me improve significantly there. That is fortunate because games is the easiest section on which to improve. That's the one section where I'm certain people can do better and in many cases dramatically better yeah so my gut says yeah mid to high 150s trying to get to mid to high 160s 
and you've got a weakness in games, I think you could probably make that leap pretty quickly if you are diligent about it. Yeah. Uh, I've heard you both say on some of your podcasts that, that paying for law school or applying to this fall 2021 cycle are dumb ideas. I'm assuming this means starting law school this fall, which would be a dumb idea. Yeah, which is, we're, it's like comedy late at this point. Yeah, it's, it's, you've heard we say it's a dumb idea. If we haven't made ourselves clear, that's a that's an innately stupid idea. It's probably You're one hilariously of the late ideas. Yeah. In the cycle right now, if you want to try to start law school this fall, and it also is the most competitive law school admission cycle ever, so you're hilariously late in the hardest cycle ever. Yeah. All the teams have been yeah, picked. That's dumb. I wanted okay. to get your opinion on my plan. I've been in the military for about 10 years and I was recently selected to participate in a career intermission intermission program, which will allow me to step away from the military for a few years and then return to active duty. Okay. I plan on using those three years to go to law school and come back in as a JAG. The reason I'm applying for fall 2021 is that this intermission program begins this September. Well, if Uncle Sam's paying for it, then. Yeah, maybe you only have to do is get in, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. My LSAC, GP, my LSAC GPA is a subterranean 3.1 but I do have an MBA on top of that with a higher GPA. Again, we do not care about your graduate GPA. I have no delusions of grandeur of even applying to any top 20 school. I am primarily located, my, I am primarily, okay, location-based, and there are two schools in the city that I want to go to. Uh, the city is Pittsburgh, and the schools are Pitt and, how do you say I'd that? I'd say Duquesne. Duquesne. Okay. But I don't know. I, th I just want. Yeah. It's French, right? It looks French. Yeah. I just want to be near family. So location is my primary concern. Because you want to be near family? Why? If the, Okay, look. Sorry. Just tangent here. <laughs> if we're talking about your parents and you want to be close to your parents, I would say you are actually the prime candidate to move away because you seem to be too attached. We have to become an adult at some point. And I'm sorry, but wow. Now it's time. No, I'm serious. You got to launch, right? If you want to be a think about this. In in 10 years, Jason is going to be an attorney and he's close to family? Like why? I think it's great to be close to family if you're sufficiently launched yourself but I, I get the feeling that i want to be near family I, I don't i don't know i don't know how old jason is i'm worried about this claim okay <laughs> both schools are pretty good and have programs and opportunities that interest me as well plus you know i'm extraordinarily biased against just limiting yourself right. to, to one location right I'm fortunate enough to be able to use the GI Bill, and both schools are yellow ribbon schools, meaning they will cover any costs not traditionally covered by the GI Bill. So I'm sitting in a good place where I will not have to pay for law school outside of using veterans' benefits. So these are benefits that could be used for some other educational program, but on the assumption that Jason's not going to do any other academia, this is kind of free money, which does change our calculus quite a lot. 
about when you need to apply in the admission cycle and all that stuff, right? It does kind of sound like if Jason would be happy going to Pitt or Duquesne, um, Uncle Sam is paying for it. I don't have any problem with that. I wonder if there are any conditions for the GI Bill. Mm. Like after you get admitted, do you have to maintain a certain GPA? Well, it sounds Anyways, like something. Oh yeah. I know. I doubt it. I, I don't think I've never heard anything like that before. I think it's just mm. like good academic standing. Mm. Um, all right. Keep going. Okay. But yeah. Based on this information is applying for this cycle. Still a dumb idea. Okay. You just said maybe not. If I could push the program off until next year, would you recommend doing that and applying when the window opens for fall 2022? I I think that the only, so the, the factor that we're always considering is the cost, right? And the scholarship money, which is clearly almost gone at this point, if not entirely gone. Um, so that's not really a factor anymore. But the other factor would be, okay, well, where are you going to get admitted? And if you wait until next cycle, it seems like you could get admitted to more places. I mean, I guess Jason could apply and see if he gets to, into these two places. And if he does, then that doesn't really matter. Right? Yeah, worst case, you don't get in and you reapply next cycle. Um, but if if money's not an issue, then I I don't care if you apply late. It's fine. Additionally, if schools ask for a diversity statement, what is your opinion on using military service as the central theme? Mm -mm. I see a lot of websites and experts advising people to use their military service as a diversity statement, mm -mm. but I'm not sure where to go with that. I'm a white male, and I do not have a traditional diversity statement about overcoming some massive adversity. So wait, diversity statement is not necessarily about overcoming some massive adversity. There's it's just about bad bringing advice a different out perspective. there, dude. There's yeah. really bad advice out there that's like law schools want to hear about all of your trials and tribulations and the worst shit you've ever been through. And that's just not true. Yeah. That, that doesn't make you look like a winner. That doesn't make you look like yeah. someone who's going to kick ass in law. Jason, write about your military service as your personal statement. That's who you are. And it's what you did. And it's what you do. Yeah. Write that in your personal statement. And you don't even need a diversity statement necessarily. If you have a, a claim for diversity that you want to make, then make it. If not, then don't worry about it. They're going to admit you based on your LSAT and your GPA anyway. These are regional schools. Everybody loves military applicants. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, don't even bother. But please do use your military service in your personal statement. What else are you going to write about? I would also suggest uh, to apply to other schools along the East Coast. Sorry, I know we're going back to that, but. <laughs> yeah, give yourself some options. You know, this like I'd, I have no delusions of grandeur of even applying to any top 20 school. Well, why? I mean, really? You don't want to apply to Boston University or uh, Georgetown? or Cornell. I mean, uh, it doesn't hurt to throw in a couple apps and see what happens. I mean, I, I do say, I mean, it's probably way too late for those schools. So maybe it's just yeah. a waste of time. Okay, cool. 
Good luck, Jason. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Um, okay. Want to wrap it up there? Yeah, let's do that. If you want to email us, you can always email the show at help at com. Ask us your questions. Send in a personal statement if you have one. If you have questions about the LSAT demon, email that team at help at lsatdemon.com. There we go. That was episode 298 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks, all y'all, for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for the last one.